0: 22 State Fair Classic. Grambling State versus Prairie View A&M. Saturday, October 1st at the Cotton Bowl. Inside the world's largest state fair. It's going down. Are you ready? ticket gets you into the fair and the big game. What did you just say? Come early for the fair. Stay later for the game. One ticket. Also, also. at 4 p.m. performing live on the Chevy Main Stage. Grammy Award winning Ashanti. Live then. The classic kicks off at a new time. 6 p.m. Watch two new head coaches battle it out for the first time. The battle gets bigger at halftime. When the world-famed Tiger Marching Band takes on the Prairie View AM Marching Store. Saturday, October 1st the cotton bowl. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com. Visit StateFairClassicFootball.com. Sponsored and part by City of Dallas, Dallas Sports Commission, McDonald's, Black and Positively Golden, Chevy, Cricket Wireless, and Methodist Hospital. Sit by myself. Talking to the moon.
1: You've got it locked to the HBCU Football Daily Podcast for today, Friday, September 10th. I'm Donald Ware. Guess what? It's Friday! NFL football season has already begun. You know I'm ready for the National Football League season. But obviously this is the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, so let's get into it. We're going to look at the HBCU National Game of the week. I mean when you look through the schedule, I mean there are some good games that you could look at. You could look at that Lane and Benedict game because Lane played Arkansas Pine Bluff well, Benedict's coming off a nice win. A lot of high expectations for both teams in the SIAC. You could look at that Bethune-Cookman and South Carolina State game. It's an old MEAC rivalry. It's a situation where both teams are coming off similar losses to FBS and big FBS Programs. I mean, it's a number of different games you could possibly look at, but there's a clear-cut favorite in terms of the HBCU national game of the week. And I'm going to be honest with you: this was a, you know, it was a situation where at one time, you know, especially early, well, when we first started boxer row going back 17 years ago, and it would be uh, this matchup. But then it was some years where both programs really fell on some hard times. There were some years where one program was up and the other down, and vice versa. But I think this rivalry is back, Uh, and I'm talking about none other than the Southern Heritage Classic in Memphis between Jackson State and Tennessee State. You're looking at a really good matchup. You're looking at a matchup of high-profile head coaches who had excellent careers in the National Football League. Deion Sanders, obviously a pro football Hall of Famer, and Eddie George was a superb running back uh, when he played back in the day, most notably for the Tennessee Titans. had a and, and when you look at both of these programs last year, you know what Jackson State was able to do, made it all the way to the Celebration Bowl. And Tennessee State had an opportunity to have a winning season. But I think a five and six season in a tough OBC in Eddie George's first season was, I, I I was impressed. I mean, I gotta be honest with you. I was impressed with that. Let's take a look at this matchup. If you look at Jackson State, Jackson State just blew the doors off of Florida A&M 59 to three. That game was played on Sunday. So you have one less day of preparation and a bit of a travel day. I don't know if it's terribly far between Jackson. I don't think it's that far actually between Jackson, uh, Mississippi and Memphis. But still, I mean, that's one less travel day that Jackson State has that maybe a little bit more of an advantage to Tennessee State. I know Tennessee I know the difference between Nashville and and uh, Memphis. I think it's like 3 hours uh, or something like that. So one less travel day for Jackson State. But I look at Shador Sanders. I looked at him, watched him last year, looked at his numbers. He was like top 10 in terms of FCS in terms of completion percentage. He doesn't make a lot of mistakes, doesn't throw a lot of you know, ill-advised passes. And you could see that his maturation in the Florida A&M game. Now we can talk about all the players uh, or some of the players, I should say that weren't there for Florida A&M, but Isaiah land was on the field. As made, matter of fact, made his presence felt. He had a, a sack in the game and a, and a quarterback hurry. Um, and then BJ bowler was back. Uh, the defensive back for Florida A&M as well. But Shador Sanders was so precise and, just hitting his receivers not a lot of long passes per se but the passes that he hit were precise he missed four passes 29 of 33 323 five touchdowns no interceptions as you know he's the HBCU national player of the week absolutely precise okay when I look at Tennessee State's defense and Tennessee State had to come back uh, on last week really had to come back against Eastern Washington and made it a football game before falling um, by a touchdown in this football game. But Tennessee state gave up a lot of yards in the football game. Um, You look at what Tennessee state gave up 474 yards of total offense to an Eastern Washington team that when you look at what Eastern Washington was able to do, as I look at some of the numbers, I mean, the quarterback, Gunner Talkington, 29 of 46, 348, five touchdowns, no interceptions. And um, Eastern Washington obviously passed the football a lot, but was also able to rush for 126 yards, averaged close to four yards uh, per carry. So definitely you can see, at least in that football game, that Tennessee State was susceptible to the pass. And when you've got a Jackson State team coming off a victory like that, and I think Jackson State's on a mission. I think that it's a program that definitely had a, has a sour taste in its mouth going back to the loss in the celebration Bowl to South Carolina State ultimately losing the national championship. But this is a program on a mission. You look at Shador Sanders, I just don't see how Tennessee State is going to be able to stop Shador Sanders and that high powered Jackson State offense that has a solid offensive line can also I mean, I think can also run the football as well. You just see what he was able to do. So it didn't have a a, a need as much, I would say, for Jackson State to run the football. On the other side, when I look at Tennessee State's offense, um, I look, I mean, this is a solid offense, right? You're looking at a kid, um, a couple of different things. First of all, you're looking at a running game that's really, really good. Devin Starling had in excess of 200 yards rushing last week against Eastern Washington. And we've seen this young man grow from the spring of 21 to last year to now this year starting off the season with in excess of 200 yards rushing. But when you add Draylon Ellis, the quarterback out of Austin P, to that mix, so now you're looking at his numbers from last week, 17 of 27, 257 yards, two touchdowns. He had one interception, but this is a kid that also has some escapability Um, 82 yards rushing and a touchdown on last week. So you're talking about a Tennessee state offense last week. that had almost 600 yards of total offense against Eastern Washington. I'm not sure how good Eastern Washington's offense is. I mean, it was a good enough at, at a point where Tennessee state had to come back from a big deficit to come back and make that a football game. So, Uh, you know, you're looking at a high power, you're looking at two high powered offenses here in Jackson state and Tennessee state. I think this is where the difference is to me. Jackson State's defense is good. Look at what Jeremy Musa was able to do against UNC and then look at what he was not able to do a week later against Jackson state, Aubrey Miller and crew. Um, I think is going to be locked in that defensive line up front. You know, I mean, in the secondary, you've got Travis Hunter on one side. You've got Shiloh Sanders on another side. You've got the secondary. And that's just a really, really good Jackson State defense. And I, 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 I mean, I think, I mean, I don't think Jackson State is going to be able to shut down Tennessee State's offense like it shut down Florida A&M's offense. That said, I mean, I, 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 Tennessee State's definitely, to me, not going to have the put out that it had against Eastern Washington. I think it will be able to accumulate some points. I think, you know, you're talking about two fan bases that are going to be equal uh, there in terms of that crowd. We know Jackson State travels well. We know Tennessee State, at least once upon a time, may still be the case, travels well. And it's going to make this trip um, to Memphis And the Southern Heritage Classic. So I think you're even, you know, sort of on that side of things. I think that this may come down to special teams. You know, Jackson State's got a a good punter, got a good, you know, field goal kicker. And I think this game may come down, in fact, um, to special teams. We'll see what Bolden is able to do in the special teams game. Tennessee State's got a pretty good special teams, too. You know, this was what was the score? like? Maybe like 24 to 10, 21 to 10, something like that. It wasn't a, you know, Jackson State won the game. It wasn't like a blowout or anything like that. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I do think Jackson State's going to win this football game um, on tomorrow. And I, not only that, this it was hard for me to give a prediction of a score or a point spread last week because at the time we did or recorded the podcast, we didn't know how many players at that time... Florida A&M didn't have any of his 25, 26 players, 26 players that were going to be eligible for the football game. Ultimately, they had only eight that were not eligible or weren't certified for that game against Jackson State. So I think Jackson State wins this football game, the Southern Heritage Classic, over Tennessee State by 10 points. Your thoughts, you can hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W, Don't forget to use the hashtag, the hashtag that is HBCU 130. Don't forget to check out this weekend's edition of Box to Row. It begins tonight, Box to Row on ESPNU Radio on Sirius XM. That is channel 84, 7 p.m. Eastern, that's 6 p.m. Central Time, and 4 p.m. for our listeners out west. Then on tomorrow, you can check out the program on Sirius XM channel 142, the HBCU channel, 9 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Central Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's Sirius XM channel 142. Or you can listen to the program on a radio station near you. Log on to our website, BoxToRow.com, to find an affiliate in your area that carries the program. Don't forget to tell a couple of friends about the HBCU football Daily Podcast, where you can find us on our website, BoxToRow.com, also on iHeartMedia, or wherever you may get your podcasts, as well as watching the podcast on the Box to Row YouTube page. Have an absolutely wonderful weekend. I know I am. Um, as the play-by-play voice for North Carolina a and football, I'm going to be out in North Dakota, in uh, Fargo, North Dakota, as a t takes on north dakota state have a wonderful weekend and i'll talk with you on monday